so I think this is part of why attachment types have such a hard time with hexad types, because to us, it does feel like to move forward in life, you have to settle. Like you're never truly going to get what right. you want. And like, that's just right. obvious. So to watch hexad types, like actively go after what they want and do things that like aren't really socially acceptable to get to that thing that they want is like how dare you you're doing something that i'm not allowed to do the big hormone enneagram Hi, I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self president with Bioling 458 Trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self president sexual 9 with 1974 Trifix. What up, it's Emika. I'm an 8 wing 7, sexual self president with 854 fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am a self president social 3 wing 4 with a Three, six, nine, trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Oh, my yeah. head's just been exploding since the last one. Just I've been thinking like, uh, you know, thinking about attachment versus hexat. So we got a lot of stuff that I think is really interesting. It might take a couple calls because we're going to need your input just to sort of echo if we're on the right track or not. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> she says sheepish, sheepishly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's thinking about her other plants. <laughs> I, I, no. <laughs> no, it's representing the a whole the whole world is all on your shoulders. It is. She's experiencing a lot going on. <laughs> She's experiencing the tension of being pulled in all directions. Yeah, I have to get this stupid accounting homework done. It, like literally, guys, it took me an hour and a half to do three fucking problems of accounting last night. That's and it's crazy. driving me up a wall. And I never, ever, ever want to look at another accounting sheet ever again, or I might burn the world down. So anyway, that's where I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talked to because my brain was burning we were supposed to record yesterday but we didn't so i had some questions and i called joseph a question about you know i just realized like celebrity culture or even the idea of sort of identifying with the celebrity and you know like following tv shows and people like commenting on twitter in response to reality tv people and debt with death threats because of something they did in an episode like what what yeah. is that you know i saw so i was i called joseph and i said hey you know, there's this concept of a thing called, uh, it's called the parasocial relationship, which is what people are doing with characters on TV or social media figures that they identify with them and they have sort of relationships and it's sort of happening with this podcast too. So I called him, I said, hey, is this a social thing or do you think it's, uh, you know, social versus social blind or do you think it's a hexad versus attachment? And we started like kind of trying to figure it out. And what we concluded was that this is, an example of the core pattern of attachment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I was yeah. like mind blown. Mind fucking blown because there's so much there's so many long tail examples. Cuz if we look at celebrity culture as a very strange thing, even though yeah. it's not a strange thing cuz it's that's what normal you know most normal people think is normal like we have paparazzi emails, endless paparazzi emails and 
celebrity culture, like we're just hooked into these figures. You don't even know them. It's just like the, the hologram character of what they represent. But people are very hooked into that. And I'm like, you know, you can look at our group and what happens when people show up. And it's like, you don't know us. You're just strangers on the internet. But people have these really passionate reactions to questions that they ask strangers having to do with themselves. And I'm, I've been trying to understand that for the last three years, because every time it happens, it still doesn't make sense to me. And this celebrity culture connection that, oh, shit attachment types are inevitably over assuming over familiarity with people (laughs) everyone so this idea that uh you i think you said in the chat that um that you had an issue with your boyfriend where he assumes to know what you're thinking you assume that he he knows what you're thinking so this Mm -hmm. fake intuition so it's like attachment types are doing that yeah everyone (laughs) every day all day yeah i mean i think it's it's not necessarily everybody, but I think that they're looking for cues constantly about who they like, wh- like identification cues that they can feel comfortable, like that they can identify with or not. And I think yes. that's why, especially um, with attachment types, you really do see uh, pretty extreme reactions one way or another to things that, like, at least for myself, I'm like, what? I don't understand what the thing is, what the hook is, you know? Yes. It's just been an eye-opening conversation to have because, you know, last episode we we did, um, Nancy talked about how attachment types think hexat types are cool or, you know, they're triggered by them. And a couple hexat types in the group, including social types, uh, commented on how they'd experienced this lifelong issue of unknowingly upsetting people. And when I mean people, attachment types, and this is <laughs> based on the assumption that the vast majority of the population is, is comprised of attachment types. I think it's probably somewhere around 70, at least 70%. But, you know, up to you to, how to think, to figure out what you think that is. But it's the vast majority of people, what we consider the world and culture, how it works is based on attach, the assumptions of attachment types. So if you're a hexat type, you probably can relate to the notion that you just unknowingly upset people. And so, you know, I was begging the question, why? What is so different? about hexat types that attachment types would feel upset (laughs) and so that opened up a whole can of worms yeah no i mean this is super interesting and i feel like it's super important yet i find i like on one hand i get it in a certain cognitive way but i don't have like a body sense of seeing you know what i mean like it's like it's, it's hard for me to grasp yeah so my uh the way I'm understanding this is that hexad types because rejection and frustration are different ways of I can't hook. Mm-hmm. You know, uh I mean frustration is still being hooked. There is an attachment there, but it's right. a, a negative attachment. It's a push mm-hmm. away from. And uh rejection is like I don't know where to connect or hook on anything. Um yes. so hexad types they're they're referencing their own direct experience without a lot of extra input. Whereas it seems like attachment types have their own direct experience, but then they introject familial conditioning yes. more readily than hexad types. And that the you know, the way Alexander puts it is that she has her yes or no. But then there is the the familial yes and no, or it can be cultural or whatever, that is laid on top of that yes and no that comes from my sense of self. And so that overlay, so to speak, can create a lot of confusion and conflict for the attachment type because it's sort of like the conflict there. There can be two separate voices within them. And 
conflicts with those voices and ways in which the familial voice is habitually overemphasized because that's, you're adapting yourself. Mm-hmm. Overemphasized. And then, so yeah, this, this point about overfamiliarity is like that everybody is adapting. It's mm-hmm. just everybody's adapting. And that is, a, that is a project, so to speak, that, that everybody is wanting to do. Yes. And that, that there is uh, value, I guess, connection, attachment uh, that is brought about through trying to find this like common ground or this baseline same page thing part of the part of what the issue that comes from that is when hexad types don't try to connect or try to kind of shift to meet the person in the middle it feels like a attack because yes. it's like I'm trying so hard to do this for you and you're not giving me anything in return. How fucking dare you? So that notion of attack is very interesting because that's that's basically the reaction that we get. But the reason for it, I just realized, is that what attachment types are assuming about everyone, I mean, we're all projecting our own type perspectives on everyone, but because the vast majority of the world is attachment, this just gets reinforced over and over and over again. So what they're projecting on everyone uh, is that everyone is attachable. And I was like, okay, you know, I think, I don't know who said that in the chat or or well, but I've been thinking about that. What does it mean to be attachable? And what sets attachment types off about hexat types is like attachment types just have their location immediately. There's no wiggle room. And that feels violent because what attachable attachment types are assuming is that we're all attachable, which means that our location is not necessarily clear. And there's going to be a negotiation between you and I, um, because we already have a relationship and it's assumed that we are going to have to negotiate how you're influencing me and I'm influencing you, or I'm going to have to mirror you in some way, even if it's like a little bit. And so, which means my location and your location is a little bit unclear, which explains why, you know, attachment types feeling triggered by hexad types and this likability magic that attachment types have, especially Bermuda types. Why is it that some of the most popular people are, um, you know, sixes, nines, and threes? Like when you have a star that people just project onto, the reason they can project project on uh, whatever people can project on attachment types or attachment types projecting what they want to see on other attachment types because you know attachment types are negotiating where what their location is based on the relationship they're assuming they have with everyone yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's the podcast <laughs> well david yeah, you said done. some david you said some shit that like kind of summed it up pretty well that uh, about the agreement piece could you say that again Asking David to repeat himself. It's his favorite thing to do. Do I remember anything? Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Um, Well, there was the comment about soup. No, it's Uh, before that. uh, There's a comment about soup. (laughs) 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 Just out of context. That's really fucking funny. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I thought I'd bring in some food, you know. Um, I would love uh, some good soup right now. Uh, yeah, this one, I think. There's an unconscious assumption that everyone is trying to come to at least a feeling of agreeing with whomever is around, whether that's in the same online group or at work or wherever. Yes. 
And so like trying to understand, you know, why are people upset when we tell them, you know, you come to the group, if you want to get typed, you ask us to type you. We don't, we don't type you without you're requesting to. And, you know, disclaimer, you might get a different typing, regardless of what is said, um, people get really, really reactive about the typings that they get. And I've been, I haven't, this attachment piece is finally helping me understand why that is. And I think, David, you said something about, you know, people hooking into or attachment types over identifying with the group or um, the podcast or whatever else are expecting some kind of an agreement that we're going to mirror what they're seeing or feeling about themselves. Like this fake intuition that you, Nancy, that you talked about, like that attachment types are doing that uh, they're assuming that we're at least going to acknowledge what they're thinking and feeling. So like, how does that, I, I guess I want to understand that. How does that work for you, Nancy? Doesn't work very well. Um, uh, I'm not really sure where to enter into that question. Um, well, I guess, so why do you me, think we're assholes? I guess, you know, why do you think hex types are assholes? Because they're not, like, what does that feel like? <laughs> um, Nancy, why do you hate me? <laughs> well you specifically john it's the egypt thing all right it's the egypt um <laughs> um so if you if i were talking like it was a much more visceral reaction like before i realized i was an attachment type and what that was and how that impacted me um so i'm going to be using kind of the stance of before i knew what was going on because it just feels like someone is purposefully standing in front of you going, I could make an effort to agree with you or meet you in the middle or morph to kind of, you know, fit in here, but I'm actively choosing not to because the only time I rub someone the wrong way or, you know, 99% of the times that I rub someone the wrong way, it's on purpose. So if you're rubbing me the wrong way, it's on purpose. I'm assuming uh, that it's on purpose. Now, now I'm understanding that's not the right. case. And I get to enjoy like their point of view um, a lot more. And I oftentimes find it a lot more funny now. But in the past, it just felt like someone was actively being like, no, I'm going to be a dick just because I want to cause issues. Wow. Right, which again is the thing of the the underlying assumption of attachment is that everybody's um, intention in is this to, game. Everybody's intention is to come to agreement. Yeah. Always. Yeah, and and then if I'm having, I still do this too. If I'm having a conversation with someone and they are actively disagreeing with me they're saying like no like I'm like I'm viewing it this way I have to fight myself to not be like oh well I do too now now oh. that you said that I do too because if they're not adjusting then I have to adjust then it's on me to adjust oh wow and so I still do that which is very annoying all right. So my my first question, which I, I'm just saying out loud to say my train of thought, but it's like my first thing goes to, all right, well, what's the payoff of that? And then I get that attachment is on some level, but I'm like, does attachment ever actually work? Does it ever actually get you what you want? Is there ever actually a real attachment? So you, typically in my experience, you have to get through 
like first impressions first impressions are super important to me and I feel you know like this may just be my type but I feel like they're super important to everyone so if you get past that first impression and we have some form of an attachment that is a little less forced then that's where I could be like okay I'm going to stop adjusting now and see how this goes okay so what you're saying is that it's like giving somebody the benefit of the doubt when you first meet them and then after that you're uh sort of figure out who they are no well no i think what she's saying is that when she meets somebody that she's going to maybe go along with what their preferences are and then slowly shift to revealing her location mm. to be more individuated and that's just something that i've experienced with attachment types was like i want the bond i want the bond i want the connection so i'm not going to like mm, it's like wanting the bond before uh the before... bond is actually there before yeah. it's there because like for me i'm like i don't give a fuck about you and then i'm like oh this person's actually cool right because well, you, you and i going to relate based on our in individual positions it's like if we overlap then we're friends yeah but attachment types were like i need to overlap first yeah mm. and also there there's an assumption that like that person is not going to open up and show me where they are if I don't make it a comfortable space for uh, them. Yeah. That's this fucking is, interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is yeah. the, the part that's been like really triggering me because it's like, what is this trigger in me? Because it's like, I, I, they're saying they're overdoing yes, but it's kind of an ambivalent yes for the sake of creating the connection that they assume that is supposed to be there. That like like that gives what we just touched on gives me chills because I was like my like a body reaction not like yes. chills but I had body reaction I was like oh fuck because uh, and maybe it has to do with our four stuff uh, but it's like I my strategy is to broadcast loudly what I am first mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's whether or not there's going to be like if you resonate with this okay. like i don't i don't ex i expect people to just be broadcasting who and what they are nope and i'm like why would they not you know like why like because yeah like you get like rejection but it's like i don't care about these people giving you you know that reject me anyway like why would i want that like why would i want their appro anybody's approval mm -hmm. from that point of view jo joseph i talked to joseph about this uh joseph had something interesting to say that if you zoom out that it makes sense because if all of humanity was individuating and basically being specific about their preferences there wouldn't be any sort of collective anything no there wouldn't Nothing be anything would ever get done like there wouldn't be any reason like all these cultural movements and and celebrity culture and how people identify with characters or how people just get involved and swept up in um, like ide ideologies and all these, the only reason all this stuff works, I used, to, I used to think it was just a social instinct, but now I realize that the driver for all this togetherness and, you know, groupthink and all these things is attachment, is the assumption yeah. that we're all swimming in the same soup. And, you know, it's funny to me sometimes to see the accusations that come from people who are reacting um, to sort of like a hexad, you know, point of view that we might have which isn't adapting at all so people start coming up with stuff like there's this large group group think conspiracy that's going on which is even more attachment so it's like mm -hmm. um yeah it's just it's been blowing me away in that i don't i did not understand that people meaning attachment types 
or expecting or needing this from me. I didn't know that this is what people expected connection to mean. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't, uh, I get it conceptually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like, if you're not assert, if you're not putting your preferences and like what you are out there immediately, then what's anybody connecting to is like, that's like my, you know what I mean? Like, what are you, you're not connecting to some, there's nothing to connect to unless you're, you're connecting to the sense of connection that everybody connects to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here, here's another example. Here's another example because I've been experiencing this in multiple ways. Like the celebrity parasocial example is one. And another one was, um, for example, the assumption that like, let's say, for example, John, you introduced me to your, to, you want me to meet some of your friends and Knowing you, I, I, I assume that you're going to think that, hey, if, if let's see how Emika gets along with these people, he might like them, he might not. What, I'm, what I learned at the attachment point of view is if I like somebody and you like me, then, then you'll like this person. And you'll like my friends too, and they'll like you too, because that's how it works. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, well. And it really, it really sucks when that gets like proven wrong. Yes. I guess what's going on, I guess the assumption with attachment types is that if I attach to you, if I adapt to you, if I go along and adjust to you, you're going to do the same for me too. Mm -hmm. And that, that's why, you know, attachment types who have these sort of parasocial relationships with us um, are saying, oh, I'm, a, you know, I listen to the podcast and I, you know, active member of the group. I agree but, with your view about this. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you acknowledge our, you know, they're expecting a reciprocal relationship in that sort of way that we're going to, we're going to acknowledge what their thoughts and attitude and <laughs> ideas are too. And I'm just floored. I'm floored. Well, what I, you know, what I said before too, is that we will get criticisms from various people that we're not incorporating other people's feedback, but it's like, if we incorporated like two people's feedback, uh, that would be according to other critics, the wrong feedback to have accepted. Yes. Because <laughs> it is in disguise a way of saying, acknowledge my individual yes. feedback and not theirs and it's like not every feedback is going to be the fucking same and yeah. so you know you like I've, I've i've done that before where i've seen like okay this person has a point so i'm bringing this in and then people like you know that were like oh you're not taking in feedback and then it's like oh but you're not taking in the right feedback yes it's, like, oh, it's never going to be right so what like i'm just going to do my thing <laughs> exactly <laughs> welcome back to big hormone enneagram last week David, Nancy, and Emika were exploring attachment after these uh, the cascading effects of our, our discussions on intimacy and personality and all this other shit. And so we're continuing that call. We're a conversation. We're talking about attachment types um, and looking at how, by our estimation, most people are attachment types. And so to even understand the whole Enneagram and personality and human behavior in general. Um, it requires unpacking the soup of attachments and how that contrasts with the hexad types, types one, four, two, eight, five, seven. Uh, so we're getting into it today. And uh, I hope uh, you all like the last podcast with uh, the three of them, because uh, I'm quitting. And uh, <laughs> this one should be a two-parter. And then next week is just, uh, or maybe maybe part two. And then after that, uh, there's a call with just David and Alexandra, which is the final culmination of the podcast lineup of just the two of them from now on. 
and wait till you hear that because uh, <laughs> it is <laughs> the most confusing and befuddled podcast ever. Oh man, <laughs> I'm <laughs> Two nines. Two, two nines that sort of like never hit a fucking punchline ever. You know what I mean? It's just like, so where, so where, where does this actually lead and where were we going? I, I keep, you know, just, yeah, a lot of that. Looking forward to it. Are oh, we going to play the questions? Yes, yes. Let me do that now. Hey, guys. Um, I just wanted to thank you. There is an episode where uh, uh, David was very uh, open and wonderful and forthcoming uh, sort of about his process and um, uh, just shit that's been happening in his life and whatever, how he shows up for things. And I just, it was awesome to hear, and Emika as well, uh, both of you have had a session for you, really. I guess everybody has, but but recently, uh, the, you know, the episode with, with Dave and then with Emika super touching, super vulnerable, super awesome. And I know you guys had to cut out some of it because some stuff went, you know, pretty deep. But uh, yeah, just uh, awesome. You guys are uh, are great. <laughs> uh, I especially I especially like the change from, uh, like the snarkiness sometimes. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I could do without it. But uh, it, it is nice to have sort of like a lighter view. But it was really nice contrast to like some of the snarkiness that, uh, you know, that's in most of the episodes. Anyway, uh, yeah, thanks. Oh, uh, and if there's anything you can do on like on six, uh, that'd be great. I'd love to listen. Thanks. Not sure what that means. Increase the snark. <laughs> yeah. More snarkiness. Snark levels. <laughs> Activate. Well, cool. Thank you for listening to us. Yeah, yeah. thanks. And tolerating our tone. <laughs> So um, this second one is a question about, um, I think they're referencing the soul sex episodes where we were talking about being social blind and, you know, versus sexual first versus sexual last. And I think the question, well, I'll just play. Hi, Alexandra and BAT crew. Um, thank you to Alexandra for being such an articulate keynote on the super insightful episode. Um, what was particularly helpful, at least for me, was how specific all of you were able to be on this episode with the presence of multiple attachment types and multiple hexide types. Most of the time, we read explanations that say this type is more XYZ than that type, and it's hard to know what that actually means. Alexander and Nancy, the examples that you two gave blew my mind. I had the same type of out loud response of shock that Emika and John had. The question that I have for all of you is, could you maybe delve a bit more into what it is like to be blind in a particular instinct? Um, Alexandra made some great comments referencing discussions outside the podcast, and it would be, it would be awesome if we could hear more about that on the podcast. And second, or relatedly, more specifically, do you think that blindness in any particular instinct might look different if someone is an attachment type versus on the hexad. So for context, this came up because my experience in relationships was much more in line with what Emika and John were saying about both being social blind and I not what Nancy and Alexandra were saying about being sexual blind. And yet, according to the collage and other things, I was SPSO, which I thought made sense. 
Um, but the discussion about being social blind and then Nancy and Alexander being shocked by John and Emma's point prompted this kind of question of whether being blind in any particular instinct might actually look different on the hexad and on the triangle. So being social blind when you're on the hexad versus social blind as an attachment type or sexual blind on the hexad versus on the triangle, might those be different? Um, thank you for any thoughts you guys have and just in general. All right. So I thought that was a perfect question to lead into this topic because I'm realizing that a lot of the stuff that I thought was just me being social blind, that a bigger deal, a bigger contrast was the hexad versus attachment. versus attachment. So if someone, if you are a hexad type and you listen to this podcast, you're going to, regardless of whether you're social blind or not, you're going to relate heavily to what John and I are saying. Mm -hmm. and, you know, even, and I, what I've realized that even types who are um, attachment types who are social blind are still probably going to relate more to what Nancy and Alexander were saying. This is a bigger deal to me, at least as from where I'm at currently, this orientation of attachment versus hexad is a bigger deal than um, the instinctual stack. I think it is important to, um, to do both, to unpack both the attachment types that do have social in their stacking and the attachment types that don't. Mm -hmm. And like Alexander and I, tried to peel apart some of that, you know, since that's the case with she and I, that's part of the contrast. And so what is attachment look like without the social instinct? Yep. And I don't even necessarily have a, <laughs> of course, a direction to go there. <laughs> but um, it's like, for me, it's partly well, what I was saying to her in the in our call last night was, um, you know, it brings my whole history and all my strange history and so forth into how I do specifically attachment, which is to say that um, I, I kind of assume um, an underlying uh, potential familial connection with kind of a lot of people in an easy way, but it's quasi um, sexual or it has a sexuality and sensuality to it. Um, so it's in some sense, it's not socially appropriate. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why, like you guys have seen me in the chats over the years and just all over the internet or whatever, <laughs> I'm constantly, I'm constantly spooling out, spilling like sexual stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's actually now I'm starting to see that's me in a way doing attachment yes. because it's, I'm sort of somewhat non-specific. Um, I'm just trying to grab and, and be, and it's, it's really socially dumb, you know what I mean? But, but I'm kind of pulling in people with all of that. So anyway, that's just one iteration of uh, social last attachment. We talked about it on the last one, out, but, David, you're really attachable. I, I don't know if you got to that part, John. Yeah. But um, just in terms of just the writing style. Oh, wait, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like he's really attachable. Yeah. Even though he's cryptic, people are pulled in because he's sort of indiscriminately spilling his own, I don't know, like, hey, come play with me in my little <laughs> cave pool, yeah. sex pool, you know? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's yeah, really interesting. Yeah, so, all right, I'm 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 trying to unpack, David, what you just said. Uh, like. Mm. There, because there is something. I, there is, like I said, 
earlier, like this, the attachment thing, it's not, there's something that doesn't quite land in me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so like, all right, so you're saying that there's, that your attachment stuff is spilling out through the lens of your instinctual stack. And so, uh, like, cause we're trying to piece out what's attachment versus social instinct mm-hmm. and that, um, that you will kind of like leak or spill or put out some sexual energy, but that it's attachment through the lens of sexual energy rather than social energy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, it, and it's, you know, a wide net, you know what I mean? It's not, um, specific. And I sort of like, here's one, one aspect of, of, part of what I'm saying is to me, attachment is quasi libidinal, like, like, okay, if attachment types are the, let's say the familial type, that's like the family of humanity, right? Well, we come from our parents genitalia. So it's, it's, you know, I'm getting it's Freudian, right? It's, I mean, that is the whole Freudian thing of, you know, the Electra and Oedipal complex is that we're sort of as attachment types, we're somewhat pulled back to that genitalia event, if you will, that is our, um, uh, what's the word, conception, or something like that. And so to me, there is this, um, well, it's like a, it's like a sexual webbing is part of what attachment is. Yeah, from my point of view, it it feels like, uh, you know, just watching and observing you, David, it, it feels like you act like you already know people or they should already yes. know you. Like, <laughs> you know, like there's a private me, like in terms of, how much my friends and even, I mean, people have an impression of me on this podcast because I'm with my friends, but if they were to meet me, they would probably have a very different experience. Um, Me that's not walled off versus me that's amongst friends and comfortable. It's very different. So when I post online or in forums, there's definitely a much more guarded impression of me. Like there's like, don't fucking touch me. Whereas David just feels like he's, already friends with everybody <laughs> yeah that's true that's so true if people react to david like they're like old friends that like david offended or something yeah yeah that's right so yeah. he's very attachable and um i found this interesting that's because so I, funny. I, I, I talked to because that's that's what i realized what's happening is like why do i piss people off i'm not attachable like the yeah. fact that you're saying the fact that in a hexat type you're saying this is where i'm at this is me and it's specific is saying that you're not open to doing this sort of indiscriminate attaching to everyone, which is like kind of elitist, yeah. arrogant, selfish, right. all these other things. So I was like, oh shit, this is like a completely different universe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, not to turn on myself, but I'm going to turn on myself. <laughs> like this, so the sense of like complete disconnection from like life in my own body and like everybody else that I feel all the time. Mm that I take to like, it's like, I just took it to be normal. So I don't really think about it. Like, I, I just feel like I was born on the wrong level of reality, like all the time. And so this stuff just like, it's like people don't, I think people all feel that way too. Uh, maybe this is my attachment. And they definitely me. don't. <laughs> but I, I think it's buried or something, or maybe they don't. I don't know. Like, but I'm, I just like, like, 
David feels the opposite. That's what his activities feel like to me. Like he feels He's lying. <laughs> he I'm feels kidding. like <laughs> we're all in the same fucking soup together. That's the only thing that fucking makes sense to me. Like I have hard boundaries. Like you got to work to get to me. And David's like, yes, come in. <laughs> all of you. <laughs> I, I mean, I do have like my emotional center, like, like you could say like heart stuff. So like, I feel heart connected to y'all, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. but I don't like uh-huh. feel like, uh, but even still, I'm like, y'all are super different from me. And it's oh, just, yeah. that's just how, like, there's, there's like no, there's like a, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't know how to, to distinguish that. As hexatypes, we expect to relate to people based on their individuality. Like, you're yeah. you, I like you, I don't, we don't have to overlap. I just appreciate whatever the fuck you are. And I realize that attachment types in, in like romantically, can just i've watched some shows where it's like oh you like to go look at open houses during a day cool let's date (laughs) (laughs) and i was like what yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. just like we have one thing in common one or two things in common oh we grew up in the same town oh let's get married you know like that god that is not i don't understand that (laughs) no (laughs) yeah so yeah one thing that comes up a lot in alexander and i's relationship is like i have a lot of wounds around feeling unwanted and unattractive and one of her things is she says, well, it's not that you're unattractive. It's that you're so, f-, you know, she, she says specific, which, you know, weird or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like you're a very specific uh, flavor or note or something. And not everybody responds to that. And it, it's, there's no, atta- there's nothing to attach to. Yes. Uh, and so like, that's something I've mm-hmm. like started to kind of try to understand and consider. But uh, man, the sense of just like being in the wrong, like, animal kingdom or something you know like in the mm-hmm. wrong whatever uh just like oh this not there's nothing for me here yep and everything people are doing is wrong you know <laughs> everything people yep. are doing is inherently <laughs> and uh, when you say wrong you don't mean morally wrong of course what do you mean there's definitely some there's a little bit of i guess no not really there there's there's a wrongness <laughs> i mean i have a line to one and and right. sometimes it comes out that way like sure. uh but there's just a sense of like it's not real. It doesn't mean anything. It's uh, completely artificial. It's uh, arbitrary. Mm-hmm. It's lacking depth. It's lacking significance. It's lacking mm-hmm. beauty. It's lacking uh, right. like any. It's 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 like you know. There's an assumption. You know, part of I think the fourth thing is like there's a there's a real self somewhere. There's mm-hmm. an ideal like an inner world, and like this level of reality is completely unrelated out of sync and like an like an aberration on the real world mm-hmm. and feeling like you know one of the reasons i i love egypt is like i think that egypt was an attempt to at some parts of egypt's history was an attempt to bridge that gap and it's the only any only thing that ever got any, anywhere close at some point you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. <laughs> but everything else is like this like complete like I've, I've described being a four being like the oil the the the, the awful thing that happened happened a long time ago <laughs> Like it's not coming. The apocalypse already happened, and this is what the apocalypse looks like. So part of that does like I, I I get that a little bit, but my reaction to it is I don't think attachment types think that these attachments we're making based off of a few things we have in common are the best attachments we could have. 
but mm-hmm. it's something to bite us over until we get that good of attachment. Oh. Mm. Yeah, that's important. Good. Yeah, Fucking, so it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, I have these people that I'm like, yeah, we're cool, we're chill, but like you, like I have tiers of friends, you know? Yeah. Like I have my best, best friends, and then I have my second best friends, and then I have my third, and then I have my fourth, because it's like not everyone, I'm not always there with everyone, that's fine. So that I think that's a great point because I think one thing I've seen some attachment types suffer from. I mean, I have. I mean, I think we all do this, but uh, I, I've seen more explicitly in attachment types is this. I have this sense, this dream of the real thing that comes from like my inner eye, but then like the yeses and nos or whatever you know what, what was being used to describe that is like that gets covered over by the familial overlay. So there's this sense of okay, this is not what I. I mean, that's what sloth kind of is. It's like this is not the bet this is not what i really want this is what i can settle for yeah and then it gets this like the whole web of life and choices and things get sort of entangled and enmeshed in the thing i don't really want but it feels like the best i can get for now mm-hmm. and it then after a certain amount of time or a certain whatever choices and whatever enmeshment in that circumstance situation or person or people uh the the ability to g- leave the substitute attachment for the real thing becomes next to impossible yes Yes. and so then it becomes like this like web of life of like regret and mistakes and not being true to oneself or something like that you know various things different individual but it really compounds the sense of like living the false life Mm. so i think this is part of why attachment types have such a hard time with hexad types because to us, it does feel like to move forward in life, you have to settle. Like, you're never truly going to get what right. you want. And, like, that's just right. obvious. Like, the world is out to get you. You're never going to get what you want. So f- to watch hexad types, like, actively go after what they want and cause chaos around them or, you know, do things that, like, aren't really socially acceptable to get to that thing that they want is like how dare you because Mm. i didn't and no one asked me to settle right it's my own fault okay but we're all projecting but like it's you know i understand we're all projecting but it feels like you're you're doing something that i'm not allowed to do and so therefore you shouldn't be allowed Mm. so that's why the soul sex episodes were really such a huge hit yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly no that's exactly it yeah yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Because we were basically saying, don't settle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And it's like, but I'm not, I'm, but I'm not allowed to not settle. Yep. Wow. Yeah. The, the part that's hitting me is the, uh, that, you know, attachment types are assuming that we should have this connection and we can start with just some basic bullshit that like, we like the same color or whatever. It's not a real attachment, but we can start there. I and mean, John's, you know, saying that, Attachment start types start there, and then that becomes what they've settled it's, for. Yeah, it becomes it. And the thing that kept uh, coming up, where I kept hearing, is the sense of feeling like if they were to leave, they would be abandoning the situation. And how that shows up for all the attachment types, including three, which you wouldn't. You, it's easy to see attachment in six and nine, but to see that play out in three from the from the point of view of I started this, and if I quit it, then I'm a failure. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And just to see in the ways that you started out something that you were ambivalent about, 
you were on the fence. You mm, know, he's like, yeah. This is something that you just said, this is good for now. We might get to a real connection later, or I might leave it later. It becomes a thing. And now you can't leave because of the responsibility that you feel no. for, uh, in the sense that if you did leave it, you would abandon it. And it really, I, I've had a really hard time uh, coming to terms with that being basically how everyone is operating. Like it uh, really yeah. bothers me on a very deep level. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> That's why everyone's so angry all the time. And stressed out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it makes sense that, you know, telling attachment types, go for your dreams and don't settle for relationships that are unfulfilling is like is like hitting the fucking spot, the pain spot. But it's Super- also and it's also why those are on all the stupid motivational posters, those exact messages, yeah. because it's sort of not something that you're attuned to doing or that you're not just automatically doing. Right. You're not following your own vision. You don't have to tell a seven to go do that or four. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, part of the criticisms I've always gotten is that like, I'm, I'm so stuck, like just completely stubbornly wedded to my inner sense of how things are or should mm-hmm. be or whatever. And like, like just completely inflexible. Even yep. Alexandra says that. Even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. That you is just true. stretch more. <laughs> but in, in contrast, it just also makes me understand Hexad more. It's that, you know, we talk about or people talk about or revere four and five is so specific and so deep and, and all that stuff. But it's like all the hexats have a specificity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, For like sure. they have their location and, and a two knows what you need and they're just going immediately. Even if you don't. Even if they you know don't, it. they just know. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, like they just, yeah. all the hexat types are, they know where they're at. They know what they want. So, yeah, like, I mean, part of the, the, suffering of and problem of hexad is having too certain a view of what what's real mm. that either is not re- it may not be real or it could be real but like you've got such a specific fl- flavor version vision picture of it that because of the excuse me lack of adaptability you can never get what you want in a certain way yes, uh, yeah. and yeah like not being able to meet either other people or reality on a certain level uh, because you have your inner vision of what you want or wanted. And so I think that there's a lot of heartbreak. And uh, I mean, I don't think for a lot of hexatypes, it even gets to heartbreak. I I think that there's a lot of just, this is it. This is it. Pushing, Mm -hmm. pushing, pushing uh, the one button and then ending up completely like having a reality distortion field or, uh, or yeah, eventually maybe you break down into heartbreak because whatever was there was not is it didn't doesn't seem real or possible. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. And our reaction to that <laughs> as attachment types is well, we already know we're gonna go into heartbreak, so we're just gonna bypass that <laughs> and pretend we're not alive at all. Well, that's one thing that attachment is, is uh I don't know, cessation of pain yeah. of that because you've got a bunch of attachments mm-hmm. exactly it'll be okay and so you've got quote unquote support mm-hmm. for the heartbreak it's fine wow. no there's and no com- heartbreak and common and commonality yeah exactly there's no heartbreak no. so this this puts into per- perspective what i was saying about realizing oh you know i'm just having these unsatisfying 
uh, relationships that aren't going anywhere because I'm hooking up with people. And maybe the attachment perspective would be like, well, at least you're hooking up and you're having sexual relationships. Instead of just like being alone and, and holding out for the right one, you could just continue having less than ideal relationships and be with someone. And I re I recognize that there is some value in that. Like you mm -hmm. could just be in a relationship that's not the best, but you're still not alone. You know, the, so the, I guess the attachment types are overvaluing that sense of, you know, innate connection, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. attachment, like what's another word, but yeah, it's, it, it's just overvaluing that. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this because it's better to be supported, to be with someone than to go uh, put myself out there for the ideal that will probably never happen. So that brings up for me. Um, so what is the, um, with the hexad type, you're, you're talking there about, you know, perhaps not being alone being better. So you've got a, <clears throat> a sense of uh, aloneness is not a good thing. So what's the difference between hexad Hexad not wanting to be alone and attachment. Well, I, I think for me at least, I felt that I could be with someone and feel completely alone because it was like mm -hmm. not being alone. Yeah. yeah, because it's like when you realize how because you, when you get into a relationship, you you have an ideal. I I, I think this is what it, it is. And as an eight, I'm trying to make it what I think it is. And at some point that breaks and I realize it's never going to be what I think it is. It's actually a complete, you know, mismatch. And at that point, I know that um, I'm alone. Like, you know, that, that I might as well be alone. That's why I was okay with being alone because I've been in these relationships that weren't working. I'm not doing the attachment thing of just, I'm just going to make this work. I might as well be by myself. In some ways that those, those attachments were worse than being alone because it was adding stress or negativity or whatever um into my right. life and so so being with someone like the ideal is so clear that in some ways being with the wrong influence or whatever feels like an affront or like a you know i have to give up myself basically to be with someone and that feels worse than being alone mm -hmm. so i guess i'm get, i'm getting at you know what's the dividing line let's say between you know this whole attachment thing that we're talking about and the thing that actually is universal as well to hexad types of uh just wanting human connection mm -hmm. where, so, where do you where do those divide off and so, yeah so as a as a hexad type that has been in relationships too long um <laughs> you know what was going on for me was um, there was both wanting, you know, wanting to not be alone and to seeing potential for what I wanted in somebody and thinking there was a process of having to get there that I had to go through, but also mm. of rejecting what I thought like was out there, like just the rest of everything, you know, it was like the rest of all people, the rest of everybody's attitudes towards relationships, love and sexuality. I thought everybody was unserious, you know, like I'm very like, you know very serious about my relationships and i think most people see themselves that way my judgment is not as serious as me in a certain way and so there's this like complete like everybody is trash garbage uh in terms of like from the point of view of what i'm looking for mm -hmm. 
And so staying separate and like I've got my thing that's still separate in one sense. Um, but it's kind of like this is it, it there's there's there I would say maybe what's different though, there's very little self-adapting. Uh there's very little sense of changing myself. Uh and there's very little sense of of uh not recognizing the aloneness. Like I'm still fucking alone. Uh, and I don't know if attachment types somehow talk themselves into that they're not alone. I don't know how that works, but I don't know. Maybe because you guys know me pretty well. I don't know if, if that pings anything for y'all in making those distinctions. I've said this privately to John, but you know, one thing that my current relationship is bringing up for me is it's helping me see the mechanics of my personality in the ways that I'm severing myself from my personality, severing me from my experience. And so, like, I'm experiencing something good. Uh, this relationship is amazing. But there are moments where I, it's almost like I'm watching a person be in this relationship who's me. Like, it doesn't feel like uh, it's happening to me. So I'm, you know, the, the eighth style of dissociating from my experience. And so it's hard to, you know, like, you don't want to be alone, but the sense of disconnect, I don't think ever fully goes away if that makes sense. Part of what has been maybe you could say like the drama on my end uh, in Alexander and I's relationship is that I feel this sense of what I've been looking for or like, like possibility of total merging. And then there are little things that come up that I'm like, Oh no, that's like a, that's a that's, deal breaker. Not even, no, not a deal, but like, that's like a, a wound to the vision of what mm. I have, you know, mm -hmm. that's almost like a, like I, I'm like struggling to come to terms with this feature or that feature or this thing. And if like, you know, I mean, even just the sense that like I've lived this long without her is like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of grief of like how much of my life was wasted, uh, you know, because I wasn't with her and coming to terms with that. And it's like, Oh, but you should be grateful. And like, yeah, I am, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there's like, <laughs> there is this other kind of, Thing. And I know part of it's my frustration atta attachment to being frustrated, I guess, but uh, that's a real thing going on there. Do you know, does this make sense? Yeah, I, I, me doing a rejection thing, what I grapple with is, you know, like I have sudden flashes where it's like it doesn't feel like the person who loves me actually can love me or is mm. loving me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that, like, have, yeah, some of that. Too, it, yeah. It's, it's weird to me that it still happens because I have every cognitive or physical evidence to the contrary. Maybe it'll go away eventually, but there's, there's always this feeling sometimes where I'm like, how is this happening? You know, like how there's like, I'm going to wake up one day and realize like, you know, it's all been a sham, you know, like yeah. it's all like, I don't know why, but there I'm, I'm in a relationship, but there's something in me that <laughs> is not believing that, um, the deep connection that I have is actually real or as real as it is. So yeah. it's a, yeah, it's, it's, I wonder if that's a thing for all hexat types. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're, you know, in like four five, eight, whatever, but uh, mm -hmm. it's something that I've been really like watching this happen has been like a first for me watching how much I am not even being able to saturate in the connection. <laughs> yeah. I think Interesting. It's 
it's like like yeah like the the sense of me can further and further and further like remove itself like it can yeah. further uh not in like a nine-ish sort of dissipating way but like i'm from i go from saturn to neptune to pluto in terms of distance from you know like yeah from anything real uh i'm just thinking about uh myself relative to the issue of being alone because like i've kind of designed my life around being alone and it's interesting you know in the context of this conversation <clears throat> you know uh it, it it's i sort of have the sense i've maybe said this in, in a previous pod before but it's it's kind of what we were talking about earlier as well where I have the sense that I can plug in in a bunch of different places yeah. and have connection. And so that gives me the freedom to be absolutely alone and spend a ton of alone time. See, that's and different. It, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I see that with David because it's like you are so attachable. It's almost like I live in, mm. you guys have been here. I live in um, Bucktown, Chicago, and it's middle of everything. And living here makes me feel not lonely because I'm surrounded by action. I can go, there's like a gazillion uh-huh. bars within walking distance, which means I don't go to any bars. See what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with Bushwick. It's like I'm around the action. It's right there. I can walk into a bar five minutes, which means I don't feel any need to do that. Whereas if I lived in the suburbs, I'd be here every weekend. You know? Yeah. Yep. So I see that with you, David, where you're an attachment type and you feel like you can, you can just plug into anyone at any point. You can get into a relationship if you want. And the opposite's from, true for me. I, I feel like it would be, I can have disconnected momentary connections with people because they're, people aren't attaching to me. And so the, yeah. I, the prospect of a real connection seems so miraculous. It yeah. seems so miraculous because it feels like a, once in a decade, once in a lifetime thing that someone somehow could find their way into attaching to me as specific as I am feels mm-hmm. I, I've had to realize that that's what's happening. I didn't, I couldn't figure out what the fuck I'm not giving away any, I'm not giving people any attachable points to just Part- plug into. And I'm not doing the, the attachment game. So and as far as, yeah, as far as romantic partners for me, because of that sexual middle thing, it, and it's really, I, I don't have the same um, reflexive sort of reverence for that space. Like, that's not my religion. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, like with yeah. you guys, it's actually your fucking religion. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. And, and for me, uh, and again, it's attachment combined with sexual middle. It's just like, um, there's all these possibilities of those kinds of connections. And it's also, um as a nine i'm not you know honoring myself in that certain way of like really um, wanting to confront uh myself through a partner in that you know kind of intense way of a serious connection has you know what i mean because then Mm -hmm. that would that would individuate me and solidify me i mean that's part of what's going on right now with me and sahara it's been pretty intense because of all of that it feels like a whole bunch of stuff is shifting around underneath for me yeah i mean it's pretty big stuff and uh yeah and it's having me take myself more seriously yes um yeah which is 
which is a whole new thing. And of course, that's really threatening to the whole nine type structure. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Being loved yeah. is like one of the scariest experience experiences because it's, yeah. it means that I, I'm actually really deeply connecting with you. you know, and, and it's easy for me to be in something where, you know, I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm not really here, you know, maybe I'm getting my needs met, but like, but to, to have that sort of directed energy that someone really loves you and values you deeply is like, oh man, my, my separation severing shit starts coming up. And I, I it's like, I'm watching myself living this life where I'm being loved is like, this is really you? This is happening right now? <laughs> well, yeah. I just imagined you eating popcorn, just watching yourself like, huh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so David, uh, like, I know that we are not like on level of romantic relationship or something, but you know, like we've got a thing here, you know? And yeah, so like, for sure. Like you mattering to us, like how, do, like how does that, uh, I don't know, like how does that, uh, work where's where is it um so how does that work for me in what sense in the friend in the friendship sense like how us, do you have friends yeah like we you matter really a lot to us so has that does that impact you in a similar way that the romantic stuff does or maybe because it's social it doesn't at all Oh, oh, yeah. No, I mean, you guys are very specifically mattering to me, each of you, and, it, and it, it's very specifically, you know, textured and flavored and colored, you know what I mean? It's it, your um, articulated individuals, but I'm <clears throat> constantly assuming it's somewhat similar to maybe some stuff Nancy said, where I'm pretty constantly assuming that you guys are forgetting about me or that I, you could what? take me. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah. That's why no, I have that, to call you every two weeks. Yeah, oh, no, man. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's part of the nine, an element in the whole nine ghosting people thing mm -hmm. is that you, you kind of think it, well, I'm really not that big of an entity in that person's world anyway. Right. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It don't really matter that much. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a constant, um, profound, you know, devaluation of just my presence and existence. I just assume it's, you know, not that big a deal. I mean, if I, I can think about it intellectually, you know, all the stuff we've shared and the ideas and my ideas having an influence on you guys and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's partly the attachment thing of an element there is that I just channeled stuff that was part of the universe. So it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. All right. God, interesting. Self-deleting. Yeah. Constantly self deleting constantly. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, for one hand, so speaking just in response to you, David, like you know, you're a fucking huge influence on me. Yep. You know, and a big part of my like inner psychic world or whatever. Um, and then, but yeah, there's a similar frustration, uh, you know, and really frustration with me and Alexandra, where there's always this this anger and feeling of like I felt I felt like I was always looking for you. Mm -hmm. and mm. i know like she 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 says she's been always looking for me and like there's cr all this kind of crazy shit like going back way back 
to her, like of like this sense mm-hmm. of each other. And I'm like, mm. I get all fucking mad at the way that she kind of like lost sight of that in some some points, or like it couldn't be me. She's saying, or or in a, that you were looking for, or yeah, something like yeah, that. well, yeah, it's like it's like yeah. There's a sense of like like this is what I always wanted, but I, and this is like I had this archetype of this kind of person who was more mm-hmm. serious than me. Like I was into the fans of the opera and to vampires, like like mm-hmm. all this. Like I was looking for somebody who was yeah, like, like so many qualities that are me. Mm-hmm. And but it was like but that's not what can happen. That's not what's real. And so I'm gonna date fucking button up losers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, for me, like I mean, I have my own thing where I like saw okay, maybe this person can meet me on this level. But then I accept that okay, there's a certain level we can get to, and then I'm alone. Yeah. And I can play out frustration, bullshit, or whatever. And so now with Alexandra, I mean, the sense of like, like intendedness is like so fucking crazy and clear for me. And it's just like, it's, I, I, I'll have all these like, like things about jealousy and stuff like this that I know are not rational, but they're based on this conviction that we were supposed to be together. And I, I'm having a really hard time releasing and letting go some of those feelings because the sense that we were supposed to be together is like so strong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you should have known because I knew on some level and I was like, I do think I was making choices for my soulmate, like since I was a little kid, mm. you know, like I really, again, it's a whole conversation or whatever. But anyway, it's just like this, this thing of like, baby, you knew this too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and the thing is, we always come to, we both knew the same thing. And on, on many different levels, di- different things that we all knew, this, we both knew, but, but we had but, different ways but, to handle it. But does it fade out for her? Is that part of your complaint, so to speak? That she's deleting herself sometimes in that thing you're talking about. It's it's like she it's like she will have the same vision. She had the same vision, but settling for something else. Yeah. Or turning okay. her back on it. Or being like, that's not what like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna live as if I'm preparing for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But just but but does she accept the position of and holds the position, so to speak, of being the one that was and ha- has been or and is your specific target. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, although like I love my partner a lot and I do think like we're a great fit and all that kind of stuff, I've never really believed in like the one. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mm-hmm. buy into that mm-hmm. at all because because Do I you just now no okay because I mean I just don't so think Brian can fuck off no 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 <laughs> you know that's not what I mean but it's just it's it's more of a like yeah like this is definitely I think as good as it gets all the, all that great stuff but it's like I don't think. I'm so important or he's so important that we would have one person in the world. Mm. That's, does that make that's sense? A, yeah, that does make sense. I'm, I'm wondering if that's part of um, maybe what would have been so uh, triggering for the conversation about a soul connection, because it is kind of zeroing in, which is a hexad perspective. Yeah. Like that, that there would be one person out there, even if it was just a couple, 
there's still something because I I believe maybe it's not just one person, but right. Yeah, have, I mean, I think several. Yeah, I'd I'd be open to the like. Okay, well, you have a couple. Because I mean, I I feel like you know me, David, and John, this whole group that we were supposed to meet. Like yeah. we we're so aligned and so sure. specific that what are the chances that these people us would be on a planet alive at the same time interested in the same thing at this you know like there's no way that this was just by chance and so i think of the possibility that yeah you are linked to certain souls in your lifetime but that's kind of like having a very specific vision and mm -hmm. i think that part of the attachment versus hexat thing is attachment types seeing the whole soup the whole thing and seeing how you can sort of fit in with so many in so many different areas and so many different people that the idea of a soulmate seems extremely idealistic mm -hmm. i'm not to say that detachment types don't some don't believe that and there's definitely some that do but it seems like one of those things that is pushed on attachment types as an inspirational thing to hold on to that they kind of like you know you know like, like that's not really realistic right <laughs> Like, and they're also they're also often attachment types are making sort of halfway connections into, you know, or holding out hope mm -hmm. that it's possibly right. the soulmate. Yeah. And it really never was. Right. right. Whoever they're with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a, uh, Alexander and I were talking about the soul mate idea and the idea is like the soul's mating, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, and, and I don't think everybody has a soulmate and I don't think that need to or think multiple or whatever you know like there's some some configurations are supposed to happen or whatever but yeah since I at least since I was like before I had the language and concepts for it I was like I remember being a, like this is my fucking one coming out but like on the playground what there was kissy girls you know and being like you shouldn't be kissing so many boys it's that's that's special mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's reserved that's special that's for yep. special stuff Oh I mean, man! I was in fucking kindergarten or whatever. <laughs> sexual, <laughs> sexual type religion. <laughs> You're like, whoa, 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 ladies, keep yeah. it in your pants. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, no, that, like, I, I remember being like, that needs to be something special. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah, there's still stuff that to explore. I think this is probably mm -hmm. a good place to stop. Um, yeah, and to see people's responses to this, which might, because um, there's been some really good stuff that's been coming out from you know, hexat types and attachment types sort of reacting that I've, I've just been really eye-opening. So I, I want to hear what people have to say and uh, we can do this again. And I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to see what comes up for David and Alexander when I fucking edit that shit. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Two Good hours luck. later. Good luck on untangling some soup. Yeah. You know, this is so funny because oh, Alexander came out, she recorded it in her closet because like, I guess you couldn't hear outside or whatever, like, you know, and, she comes out and like I could see it in her face, like <laughs> in the in the nine zone. Like she was like, I hope Emika has some patience. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll always make it work. It's just like yeah, no, I think it'll be good. I just it's funny. Yeah, picks up some steam towards the end, but uh, it's still I just I I have my doubts. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I mean, that's that's. I mean, we've had some calls like that where we came in, we didn't know what the fuck we were talking about when we ended up somewhere. And yeah. uh, I, I just realized in doing this podcast that I have some innate talent to just look at some 
random shit on the mm. table and find the through line. Yeah, I, man. I have. I, yeah, yeah no, you I really do, do. You really do. I would not be <laughs> no, able to do what you do. That'll work. <laughs> so like, I, there is a there is a th- there's always a through line, and it's just cut out the rest of the shit, and then. Of, Everyone listens to it and they're like, oh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it all just happened just like that. Yeah. 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 People don't have any fucking clue. Like if we did a, <laughs> the amount uh, of bullshit. Yeah. Like a live podcast, you know, like a video podcast. Ugh, I don't oh, know. Yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> it would be detrimental to people's mental health. Yeah, <laughs> totally. All right. But I got to go. I got to take a quiz. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. We should do another part two of this i think there's still a lot more stuff to talk about that i we didn't even get to all, all right, right. I, I gotta go y'all all okay. right later. Bye, anyway. <laughs> Bye.